Hey! Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. So that's the legit title, the Prairie Province? Uh, the Prairie that's Provinces, they're the three. So you got Alberta to my west. Saskatchewan is the middle. That's where I live. And then Manitoba is to my right. I'm basically oh. right above the Dakotas. Okay. So I've heard of, you know, those cities. Would you call them? Yeah. Okay. They're not cities, um, provinces. Oh, uh, well, they're provinces. Yeah. And okay. then Alberta has like the big cities would be Calgary and Edmonton. Um, and Manitoba's main city is Winnipeg. And we're kind of in the middle of those, those two um, provinces there with Saskatchewan. So, you know, from the American perspective, like I hear about Toronto. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you look at the map, which I'm looking at now to kind of get an idea, like it's huge. Toronto is basically just New York. Like it's, uh, it's right across yeah. the, what, it's all Lake the way Ontario. over. Yeah. From me specifically, it takes, it takes me just as long to fly to Toronto as it would for me to fly to LA. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like our, our country is so large huge, and we're mostly, man. we're just so spread out, right? Like a lot of our population is in Ontario and the East coast. Um, my province, Saskatchewan has Ontario. just over a million people total. Um, so like I grew up in a really small town. There's only about 400 people in the town that I grew up in and went to high school in. Uh, and oh, I moved really? to the city where I live now in Saskatoon and there's just over a quarter million people here and we're the largest population city in our province. So it's, yeah, we're, we're definitely a, a smaller, most like most of our areas are a lot more smaller knit and close communities. So of, elementary you know, school, middle school, high school, your, it'd be all one school. Yeah. How many people, how many, how many students do you think that you went to school? Ooh. So I was actually homeschooled by my parents until high school. And then when I went to high school, I had to go to the public school because I needed actual credits, um, which would, I wouldn't have gotten being taught at home unless I would have done like a GED program or something. Right. Um, so when I ended up going to high school, um, my initial, oh, I don't know, it was a K to 12 school. So kindergarten to 12. Um, I want to say... Oof, definitely under probably under a couple hundred kids okay i was expecting you I to would say think. like like 50 so there was a couple hundred but see there are a lot of towns that were like that though we had towns neighboring us that had a school with probably less than 30 kids total from k-12 <sighs> and that was definitely not like an unheard of thing in some of these small towns um like my class the slight difference too is uh, we had where I grew up, there were three uh, native reserves that are near our town. Uh, they all had their own schools, but they never went to high school. So one of them, I think, went only to grade six. Another one went only to like grade nine. And I'm not sure where the other one went to off the top of my head. But a lot of that was, uh, I think, due to they want to make sure that they're passing on, you know, their own culture as well. Because um, they teach them like Cree um, and some other like of their, you know, native languages and stuff like that in those those early years. But when they get to the high school age, all those schools actually would come to our school at that point. So like a lot of grades are actually pretty small until you got to like high school. And in grade 10, my class had about probably about 30 people in it just just in grade 10 alone. So, I mean, I know same. that's still really small, but 
it would be the same 30 kids in 11th grade and 12th grade. Right. Like, it's just that one class per grade. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Is, is so, the native. Oh shit. So you don't call them native Americans, right? Well, what do you, How do you refer? It's changed so much, honestly, like um, we've had it, you know, it, I don't think if you were being just completely like open, you're not going to offend somebody by calling them typically one thing or the other. Um, I like I've used the term native because that's just the term we've I uh, they uh, when I was in high school and the kids that came from the reserves, that's pretty much what they asked us to call them. Just so I just natives. Yeah, natives or because okay. uh, it's just short for like Native American. Right. Um, some people called them aboriginals. It just it it just. I don't think there was really any. Depending on who you talk to, I guess I never I never really felt like there was any. Um, I don't know what the term I'm looking for is negative connotation okay. on any of the words that we used. People, how it was just uh, it was just a term. How old are you? Uh, I'm 34. Okay, so we're relatively. Yeah. I, I just turned 40, so okay. we're talking about 15 years ago. I right. don't remember there ever being like associations with like, oh, be careful how you refer to this person because i don't know yeah. if that was such a thing 20 years ago 15 years ago as it I is think now but it, it really never, probably depends yeah it never crossed my mind that right native american would also apply to natives in canada because it's also north america we're right. in in america <laughs> like in the united states we're so self-centered that it's like this is america <laughs> Right. You know, we don't even consider the fact that Canada <laughs> is also part of North America. Right. Because when I was like, oh, did you call them Native Americans? I was like, no, you wouldn't. Because they would be like Native Canadians. But we have, right. a, con we have a continent <laughs> that also includes of North America. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, honestly, like growing up, like I, I was uh, like, for example, in a lot of those other schools from the reserves that were around where I grew up my dad was actually like a high school or a, a school teacher. And he taught a lot of the kids um, in some of the other towns, like before he taught in the school that I went to school and he taught in a neighboring town school. And a lot of those kids actually, actually from some of those reserves went there as well. So I knew a lot of those kids already. Like I I've never really ever had any, it's, it's weird. Like when you grow up, I guess with people, you don't like, I, I've never really like noticed um the difference really because to me it was just like oh that's just so and so like they're just another person like i've never there was never really any i mean like not that that was never a thing in our area because obviously our course, our country deals with racism just as bad as anywhere else but like it it is like interesting like how you i i like a huge part of it really i think comes down to just um like people can generally get a pretty good gist of when you're um being uh using a term in a in a negative way versus not right and yeah um, by how you say it yeah and like i've worked even now like with my job now i've worked with uh, a lot of younger guys from uh from our area that you know like you just you just work alongside like there's nothing there's no real difference uh one way or the other like you know you do have some people who will will uh treat somebody significantly different um because there's always been this 
like even even as a kid i heard you know people would always talk badly of you know let's say somebody would be like oh well they must be lazy because they're from so and so or they're from this place and it's like well you don't even know the person and you're judging them because of like who you think they are just because of you know their skin color or something and that that's definitely something that happens and and definitely something that we all uh, need to take responsibility for um but like is, is the native american population a big percent of i don't uh, i don't want to speak for all of canada let's just talk about no. where you live like yes and no i mean there there are large uh areas where like where there's more like they're more grouped in like certain let's say like they're they're the they have the reserves but they also live in the cities and they're they're in the towns and stuff and there are like maybe let's say some areas that are more populated but like i've never really noticed like i don't i don't really necessarily treat um a certain area more dangerous or anything just because that's the way it is um or uh, there's there's i'd be more scared of let's say things like drug activity and things like that in different parts of our city and walking around certain areas due to that and crime and stuff like that but that doesn't necessarily mean it's tied to uh <laughs> to right, our, right. our native population or anything right so it's, it's kind of so, it's so yeah. segregated here because of mm. i'm guessing most likely because of the way that the government said you know this is your area this is your okay. reservation so as it's spread throughout the country for the different tribes but there hasn't been a lot of what would be the like desegregation or like filtering out throughout okay the into the world kind of thing like yeah. if you go to certain cities in like Arizona or New Mexico like there will be a fairly large native american population but if you're in Nebraska like mm-hmm. there are probably people that have never seen a native american hmm. it's, it sounds like Canada may be a little bit further along in that process of like just to some degree possibly but like like it's did um, canada do the same shit back in the day like (laughs) with the treatment of like you said that they have reservations in canada as well and so that's something that the canadian government set up yeah there were a lot of things even like we had some pretty we we had some pretty terrible stuff i know um there's stories that we've heard um about like what we had were the residential schools. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, no. Where essentially, um, I believe the the statement of what they, how they described those schools actually was, they were they were told to and pardon pardon this if someone would be offended by this, but they were oh, told to fine. beat the Indian out of the child is what they were told to do. So like which a is horrible like a re-education yeah, were, camp yeah exactly okay. it was a really horrible thing they were essentially trying to take away their identity and make them into you know a, a you know i guess colonial type person right and <clears throat> that's a that was like definitely something that was a huge part of our history and not even that long ago there's still a few people that are still alive today that are remnants of those res- residential schools 
And even recently, they mid fifties, maybe. Uh, I think they were still there. Was still residential schools running? I think even in I think it was still into the early eighties. No shit. Or maybe maybe late seventies. I forget the exact time they closed the final ones, but they were still technically running. Probably not to the same extent. Right. Uh, they originally were set up as, but they were definitely still running um, for a while. And even recently, they were going around to a lot of these sites um, with, and I mean, really recently, like within like the last few months. And they were doing the, they were uh, trying to go through some of these old burial sites because they were trying to find like how many people were actually buried in these things. They knew that there were like lots of children that had died and buried at these locations, but they had no idea, like no marked graves or anything, right? And they found hundreds of bodies just like of kids and, and, and people that, you know, no one knows, no one knows how they died. I mean, it's possible it could have been from things like abuse, but I mean, we also had so many other, you know, sicknesses and illnesses come through over the last how many years that, I mean, who knows what could happen. And so now there's just a huge to do about it. Right. Cause everyone's trying to figure out what actually to some degree happened. So yeah, no, like there's, there's definitely been some really horrible things that have happened in, in Canada as well um that like, and probably like, amazes anyone because yeah i'm sure you're aware of the canada stereotype like oh yeah the nicest <laughs> most forgiving go out yeah. of your way to please anyone to hear right. like oh canada also did shitty things to the native Americans. oh yeah it's like oh well you can't yeah. you can't win them all i guess no no it's and that's i mean that's it is a fallacy of just i think our our human nature to some degree as well i mean you i think honestly some a good comparison of this is like if you look at any type of social media i don't know what what uh, circles you might run in but if you look on anything on like twitter and stuff i can see somebody who i have a lot of respect for like even somebody who i would consider to be a necessarily really good person super nice person say some horrible things on social media <laughs> about somebody yeah. because they dislike yeah. somebody like let's say somebody had something happened and somebody was let's say a vaccine denier then they got covid and they passed and it's very unfortunate right like you know and then you see somebody that just responds with good it's like what is that like where where's the lack of compassion here like as a human race i think that's something that we've like honestly lost somewhere very i don't know it's probably not recent i mean this has always been a problem for forever i'm sure but like that's the part that's like it's to me i don't see a difference in somebody responding that way than I do about somebody treating somebody like uh, in like a racist way or, you know, like other ways, right? Like that's still, it still like comes from that same like dark place, I think in our, in our, you know, our human nature that that's the part that like, like the, the lack of compassion sometimes I think just in our race is just terrifying to me. And like, I am not, I'm not innocent of it. I, I definitely have caught myself in a similar you know situation multiple times and then after the fact i think it was like well why did that happen like where did that come from what did it stem from like you get sick in canada Mm -hmm. you just go to the hospital right you just go to the doctor uh typically yeah there's like how does all that work in terms of well most of that is it's like being prepaying essentially right because it comes out on your taxes you're paying uh, X amount on your taxes. So you're probably losing a good 30 to 45%. I don't know, you know, I don't actually know the exact percentage, so I probably shouldn't drop anything, but it's a pretty large percentage of your money that you make. 
actually goes into essentially paying for your healthcare. Like a lot of that gets done behind the scenes, right? Like when you work for, let's say a company, a company, a, before they pay you uh, out already takes most of that tax off of your paycheck. So you're only seeing a percentage of what you actually make. And then the rest usually gets paid to the government already. So that when you do your taxes every year, usually it's just, okay, here's what you did. Here's what you already paid. And uh, did you pay essentially enough or is there still something owed because of how much you made? It depends on how much you make. That way, if you make more, you might have to pay more tax. Usually companies are really good about how much they take off. And uh, ideally you're, you're making some money back because you ideally hopefully gave too much. That's the, that's the better option usually, but then you get some money back from the government typically. But yeah, like most of the, most of that stuff, like it's free, but it's not free, right? Like nothing's really free in the world. It's just a, a different way of, of working it. Um, I've definitely thought of like times where it's like, oh man, it'd be interesting to like not have it for a while and then save my own. But like from the aspect of the entire population, it makes more sense to have the the setup I think that we have just because um, not everybody's in a position where they are good at even just managing their money to the point where they can, you know, have that <laughs> nest egg there in case of issues, right? Like, it's like, it's hard to, you know, make them, I think it's better this way because then you have, if, if somebody, you know, is in a, in a desperate time, it, they're not left out in the cold kind of thing. Right. Is there a, is there a personal <laughs> limit to like, you've, you've spent this much through the healthcare system this year, like you've hit your limit, so you don't get any more or do you just um, continuously no. get the treatment that you need? Not that I'm aware of. Um, I've never, if there is a limit, I've, I've never, I would never have come close to hitting it myself. Um, I don't know, to be honest, I don't think that there is. Like, there's a lot of things like, um, you know, if you call an ambulance and the ambulance comes and picks you up, you're paying for the ambulance. Like, the ambulance okay. ride is not free kind of thing. Okay. Um, typically. I uh, Sorry, I'm, that might be incorrect. You might, there might be a cover for like maybe one or something. But like, if you had to do it like multiple times, I don't think it is covered. Okay. Because I'm sure there would be some (laughs) people that were just ended up abusing it. To some degree. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, But like, there's uh, yeah, like pretty much anything as far as I'm aware anyway, like I'm, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong about some of this too. Like I, I've, I've never had to go through a lot of it myself, but from what my understanding was, is um, there's not a limit on, that like if you need the care you know if you just have a horrible year and you get (laughs) all your arms broken at different times or something and your legs and fingers and stuff at different times throughout the year and you can keep going back and and they will still so you uh, cover you 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 could be a canadian citizen that makes twenty thousand dollars a year or you could be someone who makes 10 million a year you still would receive the same amount of healthcare benefits you would uh, in certain scenarios like that, though, you might see like somebody with money might also decide they're going to go a private route and pay so, for oh, it anyway. So that's an option because that you can choose. You can. Yeah, because one oh, of the problems. Perfect. Yeah. One that's... of the problems with free healthcare care is uh, wait times because you start to get these waiting lists that are so long because you've got, let's say, 10, 20, 30, 40 people that may be waiting for uh, a new kidney or something, right? 
right. like you're just going to get thrown on the list. Some people yeah. don't want to wait on that list for essentially you never know how long. And so they will go and try to find somebody to privately. I think for a while that wasn't allowed. And within like, I know my lifetime, that definitely became a thing for sure. Isn't that crazy that in Canada, you can, you, you just get free healthcare mm -hmm. and people must've complained about it and said, we want the option to buy private healthcare. And in America, you only get private healthcare and then people right. complain that they want government healthcare. It's like whichever one you don't have is the <laughs> one that, that you want. It It's the grass is always greener. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like the idea that you just have an option and we now have an option here, mm -hmm. but the options here have been so fucked by the corporations because there's doesn't seem to be a lot of government control over the medical industry. Okay. So I can go buy private healthcare like I always have, or I can go through the new government healthcare thing, but it's not, it still hasn't reached free government healthcare. It's like mm -hmm. government assisted healthcare. Okay. But for me alone with no wife, no kids, no family, I'm, I'm healthy. I don't smoke. I don't drink. It was $300 a month for like government assisted insurance. And it's like, no, right. no way. Like if I think about how much have I spent at the doctor's in the last, you know, minus, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I broke my neck last year. Oh yeah. Okay. Jeez. And aside from that, like if we're talking like normal going to the doctor shit, yeah, I probably haven't spent $300 on going to the doctor in the last 10 years total. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So paying 300 a month sounds horrible, but then they made it a law here that you have to have some sort of healthcare. So right. If you can go buy your private health care, which is just as expensive as your government health care, it's like, man, we're, I know you guys were trying to help us. <laughs> right. You know, like Obama was trying to help us get like European or Canadian style health care. Mm -hmm. But the president here can't do shit, really. Like he has he still has to go through so many different levels of the government. That by the time his idea gets to the end of the line, everybody's had their hands in it. Right. And it's like, well, we got nothing. <laughs> but I have no clue how much I owed. I broke my neck. I had to get a helicopter to pick me up. Mm -hmm. And the helicopter had to fly me an hour away. I had all kinds of tests and stuff done. I was in the hospital for like a week. But I just signed up for Medicare, Medicaid, okay. whichever one it is here. Mm -hmm. The hospital nurse like brought me the paperwork. I filled it out and then I didn't pay a cent for any of it ever. Hmm. But then you have people like that sounds like some European healthcare, like, oh, the government right. paid for it. Right. There are a lot of people here that are like, you should shut that program down. Because technically, the money that the government paid for my hospital bills came from other people's taxes. 
Right. So they're like, oh, well, my taxes would be lower if it wasn't for Medicaid. And that's like, no, it wouldn't because they would just find other ways to take your money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. And, and to that degree, a little bit, it, it's true. Yeah. Like a lot of times because I don't, I don't get sick very often and I don't injure myself too often. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um <laughs> Like, yeah, a lot of times, a lot of my taxes are paying for other people because I'm still putting in money every year. A huge chunk of my, um, my money that I earn goes towards, you know, those benefits. And it, that's essentially what it is. It's, you're, it's just always paying for that just in case. I know the guy that I work with, like he's got four kids and a wife at home and he pretty much works paycheck to paycheck. Um, whereas like, again, like with me, I have no dependents and I'm single. So like, for me, it, it it's it, it's just a night and day situation, right? Like it's it's very dependent on the person, and so the system that we have in place, I think, as a country, just makes sense to me. Um, it may not be the best system for me specifically, but you never know. In five years from now, my system can completely change, and I could be in that same boat. You also don't sound bitter about the fact that no. your money is going to help someone else. You actually, no. you almost sound like it's, it's kind of nice to be able to help someone out that needs it. I, I, I think as just to some degree, I think, I think it just makes sense. Um, it's all I've known obviously uh, since I was a kid. So like, right, right. that's just always been the way it is. You just, if you get sick or you have an injury you just go and it gets sorted out and, and you're good. And that's that level of security, even from the sake, like I saw, like I came from a family that was not, you know, we, again, not uh, really bad financially, but never really safe financially either. Um, my, my mom didn't work. So that also helped a lot. Um, but then we didn't have as much, you know, necessarily income. I remember, <laughs> I remember being the youngest, obviously you see how well your family does as kids start to move away from the house. Like when my oldest brother moved away, I noticed we started getting more like things we would have never got as, as like kids, right? Like even just things like, like all that money, better cereals and stuff for <laughs> breakfast and like, you know, like different things we were eating for supper. Like it's like, this is stuff we would have eaten like two years ago when all three of my, or all of my other brothers were living here and being the youngest, I got all the way down to the very end of it where I was getting, you know, way better stuff in the last couple of years before finishing high school and moving away um, than, uh, than we did when I was kids. And I remember a lot of, lot of years of just eating, you know, toast and toast right. and toast and cornflakes, <laughs> maybe if you were lucky and like, and that's just, you know, the way it was. And, you know, my, my dad was, you know, to some degree, a little bit cheap because he had to be, he had to pay for, you know, uh, three growing boys and and his family and he only had the one paycheck coming in and uh, and like knowing like where he came from too it makes a lot of sense too um, uh, so my my dad's dad passed away when I was quite young um, and so I didn't know him too well I think it was in maybe grade three or something I think when he passed um, but like even seeing how um, my dad's side of the family like even how like things like food for example um, portions were so small then, right? Because when he was a kid, they had, um, he had two brothers and two sisters, so five kids. Um, and obviously they didn't have, again, uh, my grandpa was a farmer. They didn't have a ton of income coming in all the time. 
So they, they ate small and, and that portion thing, like we would see that even as, as we were kids growing up and going and visiting grandparents and, and stuff for, for like whatever Christmas or whatever. And you see the, the portions come out and, and it's almost like a shocker. Cause the kid doesn't understand. They're just like, Oh, how come I don't get to eat as much as I would maybe at home or something. Right. Like you just don't understand. And looking back on it now as an adult, I'm just like, like, man, like I was kind of a little asshole. Like sometimes it's like, you don't really realize sometimes what people really have and what they don't have. Like they're used to, they're used to the life that, you know, they had to live for so long. And that's just what they kept um, as um, things even progressed, even maybe as they got, you know, like, I don't actually know um, how much retirement really savings that even let's say my grandmother had um, like, maybe she was actually having to, you know, ration her money remaining money that my grandpa left her because i have no idea what she actually had but as a kid you don't really understand that kind of stuff and it's kind of crazy to think about about after yeah yeah exactly and so you know that's the kind of like world that i like i was more used to is like seeing that you know you know dealing with you know managing like things like for me when i moved out like things like managing my money and stuff became like you know important things to me because i'd seen it all my whole life Um, and, um, for me, it's, it's allowed me to obviously give myself security, but (laughs) then on the other hand, I don't, I don't really do a whole lot either. Like I'm in the same boat. I don't smoke. I don't drink. Uh, I don't really do anything, um, mostly outside beyond, um, my own work in my house, uh, in my yard and then for my job. So for me, like, it's easy to save money when, you know, you're not doing anything. I don't, you know, I'm not thinking of like, Oh, I don't have to take four kids to the ski hill this weekend and go, you know, whatever oh, man, that's kind so, of thing. Like it's crazy how expensive that shit gets when you have yep. to quadruple, you know, something yeah. you might do for yourself. You got to go pay for it five times right. instead of once. Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's a lot of things like that, that, you know, to some degree, it's easy right now, but like you, you never know if that kind of thing is going to change. And now, if you have if you have five kids or four kids, and they all are going through growing issues, they're going through things like uh, obviously teeth and going to the dentist and going to the eye doctor and all this stuff to you know keep them healthy and in good condition. Um, yeah, like that's the kind of time I really think that people, you know, I would assume would have to be super thankful for the the healthcare system we have set up. Like there's, there's definitely a bit like pros and cons to it. And it's just, it's like basically your, your safety blanket, you know, it's there when you know, you're going to need it at some point down and down the road. If, if you are <laughs> someone that chooses to purchase the private insurance, does that enable you to not pay into it in your taxes or are you no. just paying even more on top of it? You, so I don't, I don't think that there's actually private Oh, I don't know. Maybe there is in some provinces. I don't really know how it all works. Like, I don't think that we have. Yeah, you know, I I really don't know. I've I've never looked into it, so I really couldn't tell you. Like, is everything um, split there? Uh, How many provinces are there? uh, Thirteen. Well, thirteen like provinces and territories. So it's uh, yeah. Like if you go, it used to be. It used to be. like some of the, the territories, like Northwest Territories was a huge section on the top part of Canada. And it had cut, got cut up a little bit there with uh, Nunavut coming in. And then you got uh, the Yukon that's up there by Alaska. And like, oh. those are like, 
like up in that area, those are like what we call the territories or whatever. And then you've got the provinces down below, like BC, oh, okay. Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, uh, all, Ontario, Quebec. All those all individual, all those yeah. individual places are enabled in some way to make some of their own laws. Correct. Yeah. Okay. We like for even for example, like things like um, insuring your vehicle. Uh, like here in Saskatchewan, we have one insurer. It's a government insurer. Uh, that oh, the government what? owns and it is it is run through that whereas if you go next door to alberta that's not the case at all that's crazy and you've got all these private insurers so right. like it's it's the thing even things like that is is pretty significantly different from province to province are the provinces split up between like states or anything like that or is it they're just city to city kind of uh no they're 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 be more like states yeah they they um like we have like uh, definite borders, just like a state, and then you have okay. like the cities and stuff all all within. With a country that big, I mean, I feel this way about the United States, and I think if you actually look at Canada, it's at least double the size, isn't it? Or I mean, it's got it's. Be. Um, it probably isn't double, but it, it's pretty large. We're. Uh, I, I can't remember now how we fit in. I, I mean, obviously. I mean, how far? Up? I think we're still smaller than Russia, right? Russia's still bigger than us. <laughs> they oh, keep shrinking, yeah. so I'm not sure. Like all the way up, like uh, so. I'm looking. What's this place called? Nunavut. Yeah, Nunavut. Is that that's still Canada? Yep. Yeah. And absolutely. then all the way, like what Baffin Bay in between you and Greenland. Yeah. Like is is all of everything to the left of Greenland is all still Canada? Yeah, like all the land in there. I don't know really where the 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 right. water borders would be, but yeah, right, all the right. land to the left would be all is Canada. It, yeah, is it really inhabited? Uh, no, like so that's the thing is like in Canada we probably have I think what was our population like thirty four million or I can't, I can't remember the exact. I wonder if I wonder if Google would tell me. Uh, tell you. Probably population our population right now yeah, 38, 38 million we're yeah, over 38 so um Jesus, that's man. across the entire country now like my province has like i was saying just over a million like there's not like like our area is mostly farmland you you walk outside the cities and it's farms and farms and farms and farms and farms and it's flat for a huge portion of it just flat land and um it's perfect for that this this industry essentially most of our population uh, of that 38 million is going to be down in like the East coast of like Ontario and uh, probably BC's coastline probably has a lot, but a lot of BC is forest. And so a lot of that would be unpopulated as well because there's a huge chunk of our part of uh, a land base that's at, our land mass. That's actually just uh, trees and, and water. So. Do you feel connected to those people like as fellow Canadians or uh, to some degree, I mean, I've never been to BC uh, other than on a ski lift one time. Uh, I was in I was in Alberta and the ski lift literally went over the border into BC. And before we got to the top of the hill, it went back into Alberta. <laughs> it was okay. kind of funny because there were signs that actually said, welcome to beautiful British Columbia. And before we even got to the top, it was like, welcome back to Alberta. Um, but yeah, no, like I got I, I really don't know anybody there uh, other than like a couple of people that I've met through things like speed running. Um, so 
to, to some degree, I guess we're connected because we're Canadian, but like, not really. Like I, if I went out there and like talk to people, I wouldn't feel any different necessarily from walking around probably here in my own city and talking to people, but you're not, um, you're not in one of the French Canadian. No, um, no, the, the main, the main provinces that would be like French Canadian would be more on the East coast uh, places okay. like uh, Quebec, obviously. Uh, and then uh, New Brunswick would be another place with a, a pretty large, actually, uh, I might be wrong on this, but I think actually New Brunswick's actual primary language is actually French there. Have you been um, out but to I mean, any of those areas? I, the, so the furthest east I've been was in Ontario. I've been obviously down to like things like um, uh, Niagara Falls um, and uh, sort of the Toronto area. Um, when I was in the military back, actually this would have been back when I was playing 11. Um, I would go on courses in the summer and most of the courses I went to were like out in uh, Borden, Ontario, which is uh, close to a lot of the main cities that are there uh, like um, Barrie and Toronto and all that kind of area. So I've been out that way uh, a couple times, once as a younger kid and once uh, as a younger adult, but like realistically the only times I'm really in those cities most of the time is just connecting flights to the U S where have you been out here? Like, have you been to a lot of, I've, yeah, um, yeah. I've been to uh, Los Angeles when I was a kid because we went to Disneyland. I remember that when I was 10 years old. Um, and on uh, a trip, we did a we did a drive trip, I think, when oh, when did we do that? Because we went past like things like we never went. I don't think we've ever went to like the Grand Canyon, but we've done like travel trips down into like uh, the Dakotas because I know we've seen things like the Badlands and uh uh, Mount Rushmore and some things that are around sort of the closer to the border areas, um, uh, Michigan and all those kind of areas like that. And then, um, I've been to, uh, I was in uh, Washington for some speedrunning stuff. Speedrunning has been kind of a big help to going to some different areas. Cause, um, uh, Herndon, we were there, uh, for some events there. Then it got moved to, uh, to DC and then it got moved to Florida uh orlando florida and now uh, or then uh, minneapolis a few times i've been to both st paul and um the uh the main city as well um and then yeah then lexington kentucky on a trip once with my dad and i've been to a few different locations uh down there but there's there's so many places i'd still like to go i i i've never left the continent that's something i would love to do at some point i think go uh, either to like Europe or Japan or something would be something I would love to do, but it's, um, just something I've never really thought I would ever go do by myself. And so I've just never, <laughs> never planned it. I don't, but, you're not on Instagram, are you? I'm not, no. And you don't, well, did you see through Facebook that I went to Japan? I, I saw some of your pictures. Yeah. Okay, like that you put okay. up, they were really good. Yeah. I went, I went by myself and did you? Okay the original original plan wasn't to go by myself okay but it just turned out that way right and i was a little bit nervous about it like i don't want to do this on my own mm -hmm. yeah but i'm so glad i went on my own okay so hmm. if you have the money or the time don't let it being by yourself stop stop <laughs> you from doing it because okay there's so much to see and do yeah but it almost felt like 
had I went with someone, I would have had to have split what I wanted to see and do sure what they wanted to see and do and it was a way to just i just got to be selfish the entire time and do exactly (laughs) what i wanted to do all the time yeah and there's so much like stimuli everywhere like right visual and i mean everybody's speaking it everybody speaking a different Mm -hmm. language Mm -hmm. and so much food and stuff that it was never like man i'm really bored like, I wish my friend was here. It was so right. much going on that that never even crossed my mind. But it mm. did cross my mind how nice it was to just be by myself. Sure. So. Yeah, well, that's. You're never going to get to go now anyway with this. Well, yeah, who knows, shit. right? But Yeah, I know we're. But, it's always going to be a challenge. Yeah, no matter where you go now, too, because like the some places you uh can't have like mixed uh, vaccines and all that stuff so yeah it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be interesting is the next canada, few years is canada allowing visitors uh i think mm-hmm. they f- didn't they finally open our borders between the two of us i think let's talk about the speed running stuff sure i don't think that i've ever actually talked to you about it because i think that you started getting into that after i had kind of left spending you know i used to be on final fantasy like 12 hours a day sure so we would have a lot of interaction and it kind of went from 12 to zero right yeah well no i was just gonna say it's really weird how uh, 11 did that a little bit to some degree because that's how we all knew each other and uh, probably i guess the biggest draw for mmos right like when you're dealing with a lot of that interaction comes from the game and then when the game's gone it's just like oh that's kind of weird to just lose a lot of <laughs> a lot of friendships are just gone, right? Because not not even because um, you don't want to be friends anymore, but just because you don't have any way to communicate with them anymore. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to keep up with. It is, yeah. More than a well, some people are good at it. I'm not the type of person that can keep up with twenty friends in right. any way. Like I can keep up with three or four, and generally. Yeah those three or four are people that I actually spend physical time hanging out with. So sure. It it does get kind of difficult, which I think was probably the reason why I enjoyed, Oh, we're all just here. Right. Online. So we're all going to be playing. Hang out. Yep. It was kind of, it was nice, man. Like it's even, even in my real life setting, like, uh, most of the friends that I used to, you know, play games with or hang out with a lot, they've all got families now. Like they've got, they've that's got kids now and uh, they've got their lives that have, you know, we've just kind of grown apart and that's just the way it goes, you know, as, as you get older, typically, um, that, like I still same... try to keep in touch every now and then, but it's, it's, yeah, you, you always have to like um, make the, making the effort is always the, the toughest part, like for me, because I find it very easy to just kind of sit back and, you know, fall into whatever I'm doing, but um, to actually like go out of my way to do stuff has always been a challenge for me. I'm, I'm a pretty introverted person. So that same thing happens with your work friends though. If you went and got oh, a yeah. new job. Yep. Like how many times have I worked with people that are like, Oh, we've become such good friends. Like I don't ever <laughs> want to, you know, lose contact with you. And then yep. two weeks after you start working somewhere else, like you never hear from them again. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, I know it was very, very common. That's what's kind of cool about being able to talk to you. I mean, you and I haven't, aside from like that, what, that one night, like last year or something. Sure. Yeah. Where I, I logged in to do like <laughs> a couple hours of hanging out. Right. I keep wanting one of those. I might do that once every six months where I just mm-hmm. get on and if it's just me and no one's on my friends list, I'll just run around to the different towns and like listen to the music and like right. attack some bees or something and then log <laughs> Find off. A rabbit. <laughs> but, it was, but it was like, Oh, like, like David's here. Braden's here. Like let's, yeah. let's hang out and do something. I want that moment to catch me and like suck me back in, you know? Right. But you can't force it. No, it, it just, it just no. either does or it doesn't. And it just, hasn't but yet still like here we are like yep. the friendship that we did make still kind of exists and i just went maybe i'm horrible with time but maybe six months ago i went to seattle mm-hmm. and i hung out with boba and the last time i went to seattle and saw him was 10 years before that right so like there was a span of 10 years that I didn't really see this dude, but then I went out and we hung out like we had known each other forever. Like not a moment had passed. (laughs) And that's like, Oh, that's, that's not something to just discount and like throw away. So. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part is the internet has done an incredible job uh, closing gaps between people because the distance has just been a thing for years. Like people just couldn't yeah. meet people from that, you know, that far away. And um, now that we have that, it's, yeah, it's weird. Cause like we have that ability to, to be sitting here right now talking to each other, but like to actually like do this in person takes like a significant amount of planning and effort. And so, yeah, like you're right. It's, it's something to like, it like really think about sometimes. Cause like, Holy moly. Like, like, yeah, but that's, that's something that I've always wanted to do too. Like I've always wanted to have, um, a connection with like my friends online, but just the fact that we all live in just different places, right? Like you just don't get a chance to, to group like we do, like you can on the internet kind of thing. It's, it's definitely something that's really disorientating when you compare the two. The thing with Boba was that he happened to live in one of the coolest cities around. Like right. you don't get a lot cooler than Seattle. So mm-hmm. it was like, I want to go to Seattle anyway. Right. And oh, this dude that I'm good friends with happens to live there. Yeah. I, I have never thought to myself, I'm gonna go to Saskatoon. You know, <laughs> like it's never right, crossed right. my mind. <laughs> but if you lived in Toronto or something, it'd be like, I don't have a huge interest in going to Toronto. But Braden lives there. So right. those two things combine, like fuck it. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's let's I'll go to Toronto for a couple of days for the weekend and hang out. Yeah. But what would I do if I met right. you in Saskatoon? Like the way that you describe it is that it's like a it's like farm country. It mostly is, yeah. There's what lots you, of really like what, neat things to do in the summer, I find. Um, like there's like events that run along in the city. Like our, our city is known as the city of bridges. We have a river that runs right through the middle of our city. 
Um, there's like five or six different bridges throughout the city that we have. Um, and then uh, there's lots of uh, sort of events that go down by the river in the summertime. So you got like the jazz festival or like. Um, so you have. Uh, you we have, have little like events city. that happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. It's not. I'm picturing Kansas. So it's not. Okay. Like Kansas. Do you know? Are you familiar with? Kansas? I've never been there. <laughs> okay. But I've heard I've heard the expression. Uh, we're not in Kansas anymore, obviously. Oh. So. Uh, Kansas. I don't is know how just, relevant that would be. For it's the just. Movie cornfields and then okay. in the middle of the cornfield there's a town but the town is just corn silos it's okay. not exactly like there's no city that really exists there gotcha. it sounds like you have like a city hub where there's shit that's yep. going on yeah we have we have main cities uh there are cities we probably have one two three four four-ish large ones and then you know some smaller ones and they go all the way down to yeah like small towns okay. like where i grew up kind of thing like the, the when i was a kid um we would go visit my grandparents like where my dad grew up and that town even when my dad was a kid they had so many fires and so many things burned down in town that like we would go to town there was only maybe like a handful of families still living in that town there was no grocery store there was no nothing there anymore right it and, sounds uh, interesting like, yeah, but then you still have towns that have like a couple thousand people living there, smaller towns, and you know they've got you know grocery stores, pool, they've got you know things there, um, and then you've got the bigger cities like where I am now. I've been here uh, since I graduated in 06. so I've I've been here just over, uh, uh, I guess around fifth, almost fifteen years now. And I guess, uh, I guess the worst thing about Canada is just the size of Canada. Yeah, because when I think like, OK, like you almost kind of sold me that this could be an interesting place to go visit. So I'm going right. to go I'm going to go to Canada. Well, I want to I want to check out Toronto and Ontario and Niagara Falls. <laughs> and it's like, well, <laughs> two different trips. Yeah, right, right. I can't just drive five hours to get to the next place. No, it's multiple flights to go to these different places. Or like you said, it's it's four completely separate different trips. You could plan it in a trip. Like um, for example, let's say you wanted to go to Niagara Falls here and BC or something out the, out on the West coast, you could go to Niagara Falls, like fly to Toronto, uh, go see the area, go to Niagara, check out the area, all that stuff. There's lots of touristy stuff in Niagara on the Canada side. Um, right. I've actually right. been to both sides. It's really, it's really interesting. I think the Canadian side has a better view of the falls for sure, because the falls is kind of on the American side. So you can't really see it well. Um, but there were some cool things on the American side. I think there was like a museum like on like Tesla and some other stuff in there. It was kind of cool. We went and walked around. Um, but yeah, they, there's a lot of touristy stuff and whatnot on the Canadian side. And you get a really great shot of the falls um, on that side. Uh, and then you could always just fly from Toronto to Saskatoon. Cause there are definitely flights that do that. Yeah, that's that's the biggest problem. And one of the reasons why probably I've never really traveled and visited a lot of places is it's just it's a pretty big commitment uh, if you're going to go somewhere uh, outside of even our province. Google Maps mm. says to drive from from the falls to Saskatoon is 28 hours of drive time. Oof, so, yeah. even more than I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole day of straight driving. Yeah, yep. 
so right. I think when we did it as kids, actually, because my, my parents loaded us up in a van and we all went down there when, when I was younger. And I think my dad, yeah, he drove probably, well, he drove from Saskatoon, Sa- where we live, which is basically like you could say from Saskatoon to Thunder Bay, which is on the west side of Ontario. It's um, just past Manitoba. And I'm, I think from that point on, we woke up and we drove pretty much all the way to the falls. I think we ended up staying somewhere close by. And then the next day we went. So, yeah, I remember it being a really, really long trip. And that was all part of a trip where we ended up going, I think, through some stuff to into the U.S. as well. But, we, yeah, no, it's a, it's a beautiful country. Like, we have a lot of really, really nice country. It's just sometimes it's hard to get to the areas that are like, because there's some incredibly scenic areas that, you know, you would just never get to unless you were... Um, doing your your damnedest to get there kind of thing we've got our province despite being very uh, obviously flat and a lot of farms we've also got the northern half of the province which is pretty much all forest and lakes and stuff like we've got thousands of lakes in this province um like growing up it was like you were always like 15 20 minutes away from driving to a lake and just hanging out all a bunch of little small lakes good fishing in a lot of them um and so there's a lot of that as well that we had here growing up What's super weird is since I had the Google Maps pulled up, mm-hmm. you had mentioned that your time zones doesn't change. Right. Yep. But physically, you are directly north of where I live. Okay. Like directly. So for me to get to central time, I have to drive like two states over for oh, an really? hour to change the one hour right but you for me right now it's 140 but for you it's 340 uh it's 140 here yeah yeah we're the same time right now i guess then because i'm i am cst so does that mean you're mountain daylight time right now right right i thought you had told me 2 p.m sorry yeah i were giving i just wrote eastern yeah, I was giving you the Eastern timing oh, just so but that you're not it you're not sense. on Eastern time. I figured... no, I didn't know which time zone you were, oh. so I didn't. I just figured if I gave you that, you'd know what I meant. So right then. now we're the same. We're but, the same time then, yeah. Right now, but some parts of the year I'll be an hour behind, behind you. me. Correct. Yeah. Dude, the time zone thing is weird. <laughs> yeah. If we're talking about like the sun or the rotation of the Earth, we're in the same spot. It's mm. weird that they put you in central. Yeah. And like, there's been talks too about like some of the other provinces beside us, like Alberta, the one that's just to our left, they've definitely discussed about dropping because they are the same as you. Basically they're the exact same time zone as you. They're mountain, mountain daylight time right now. And then they'll move back obviously to mountain standard time when they fall back. Um, but the uh, they've had talks about like dropping that and, then the question is, because they do a lot of business with us, do they take our time zone? Do they just say that they're mountain standard time all year round? Because like right now, we're the same time. And I know there's been a few few talks of places that have looked into doing that. And I just find it interesting because like, like this has just been all I've ever known. I've lived here my entire life. So I'd, I'm not, I wouldn't, it'd be really weird, I think, to leave and move somewhere that actually does daylight time because it would just be like a just weird experience to have to like, consider like every six months having to change my my clock over I mean, and around 
it's one hour. Why do we even right. bother with it? Like, right. who cares if it's just getting dark a little <laughs> bit more an hour earlier? Yeah. Like, I that's think fine. Just call it, it the probably, same. It probably was a bigger issue. Um, you know, before like like we're in a we're in a position now where um, I think it's easier to work around darkness now than it used to be. Like right, back in the day, farming in the 1500s or something. Right, like you yeah. you needed to utilize your your light time, um, or even just even in the house. Like lighting was terrible in houses. Even like the original things, like like some of the light bulbs and stuff that we had when I was a kid. You use those ones and you can compare them now to what you have and you can put in your house now. It's just night and day, right? Like, so like, I don't know, like it's, there's, there's definitely, uh, I'm sure pros and cons to doing it, but like for me, I just, I've never done it. So it's never really bothered me. My challenge always becomes though, because I do a lot of scheduling with speed running stuff. Um, I'm always having to figure out what people mean when they, when say, they say, yeah, yeah. Hey, we're going to do this at eight uh, EST. And I'm like, do you mean eight EST? I'm sure you probably don't. I'm like 99% sure you mean EDT. You just said the wrong thing because you don't really think about it necessarily. But right. I, you said EST, which is not the same thing as EDT. So I need to confirm because I'm the one that has to adjust my time to yours. And so like, obviously, almost 100% of the time, it's they just said the wrong thing. But I find myself having to constantly do that because... If I don't, I show up at the wrong time and then it's, it's just a big mess. So it's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff like that, that like, it's, it's, it sounds so silly and like, it shouldn't really matter, but it gets me sometimes I'm, I'm a stickler when it comes to that kind of stuff. Cause I've definitely, I've definitely had it bite me in the butt, um, once. So never want that to happen again. I said we were going to talk about the speed running thing. And then we started talking about all this other shit. <laughs> That's so, all right. What, uh. All I ever heard was from David that you were doing Mega Man 3? Uh, I did do some Mega Man 3 for a little bit. I started on 4. Which, uh, one, that did was my... you, which one did you actually hold like a world record in? Uh, 4 and 6. Oh, okay, okay. So, why... First of all, why 4? Uh, so, Everybody when I started... 2 is the best. But, uh, okay. Um, four mainly because it's the one I was most familiar with. Uh, as a kid, I we never owned any Mega Man games. Uh, we had an NES, and we had some games. But we never had any of them. We rented three at one point as a kid. I remember this is the first one I had ever played, and I was like seven years old. And I don't have a lot of memories of really doing much at all in that game because those games are really hard. Yeah. Um, uh, and then my cousins actually owned four. So at Christmas times, when we would go and visit grandparents, uh, they would have either the NES out there at my grandparents' house, or we would go visit them in town, uh, drive in from the farm and go visit them in town and, and play at their place. And um, probably between between all of us, my oldest brother, my oldest cousin, and I were mostly probably the ones that were interested in the game. Um, I know they came really close at one point to beating it um, when they were uh, when we were all younger, um, but I don't think we ever, ever did. Um, and so that's the one I seem to have most memories, fond memories of like, obviously nostalgia type memories for, and the one that I had played even as an adult later, like as, as I became a teenager and stuff and 
you know, the whole internet had started to, to kick off this, this whole fad that we still sell, somehow find ourselves in. <laughs> um, and, you know, moving from, you know, floppies to then finally USB sticks where you could hold like, not just like a couple ROMs on, but like actually have like a whole bunch of games on and start to play. And I start to get to experience the rest of the games. And obviously they're, they're really solid games to play. Even, even if they're on emulator, they're still emulated quite well. And so I decided this, um, when I finally decided I was going to try speedrunning, I knew that was the game I wanted to try because it was my favorite NES game of all time. Specifically um, four? Four was, yeah, just because... Not just uh, Mega Man, but right. four. It's okay. just the one I knew the best. And um, so I, I decided that would be the one I would stick with. Um, the the act of speedrunning itself, I didn't even hear about until like after I'd quit playing 11. I had stopped playing 11 probably in 2010-ish, 2011-ish. I can't remember exactly when. Uh, and I kind of got into like achievement hunting a little bit to some degree because I kind of kind of got into like Rooster Teeth's content and it kind of swept me up a little bit into that. What's your achievement and then, score? Uh, it's like thirty thousand something, I think. Oh, okay. But uh, so I did that for like a couple of years, and then while I was working one day, I was I used to listen because in my job that I had at the time, I was more it was more like a production company, so I was like kind of like on a line where uh, circuit boards would come to me and I would always troubleshoot and try to figure out what was wrong if there was an issue or test to make sure the board worked. And so I had a lot of time to like listen to music or something while working, and which was really nice. And YouTube's related videos brought something to uh, what I was currently listening to at the time uh, that was speedrun related. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what this is. And just listening to it was kind of weird because I couldn't really like keep my eyes on it. I had to be working. And so I checked even, it out. You had never even heard of the genre. No, I, doing, I, okay. I didn't even, the whole concept really of beating a game fast, uh, I didn't even really consider. Despite okay. the fact that I kind of did that as a kid, because when I was a really young kid, I used to sneak down into the basement and try to play video games as a kid before my parents would wake up and I would get in trouble, right? Because we weren't supposed to be playing unless it was like raining outside or something like that. So I would literally go downstairs put in like Super Mario Brothers 1 and try to beat it as fast as I could because I wanted to see if I could beat the game before I got in trouble until I had to turn the console off. So in a way, it was kind of strange because the concept of beating a game fast was weird, but it kind of made sense to me like a little bit. Like there was, it, it, it seemed interesting. And the fact that I like other things that are similar, like things like golf and, uh, and stuff like that, where you're trying to like, um, you know, minim minimize your mistakes, right? It's all about trying to perfect what you're working towards. It's a very similar concept is in speedrunning, you're trying to go as fast as you can and you're trying to shave as many seconds or in a lot of cases, just frames off of a run sometimes can make a huge difference. Uh, the NES running at 60 frames a second. So you, if you can save 15 frames, you know you've saved a quarter of a second. So like things like that start to become really, really interesting now because now I'm looking at the game more from a technical level than I would have just from like an enjoyment level. And I get even more enjoyment out of that same game that I've essentially played out already um, than I would have, you know, it kind of gives the game new life for me a little bit, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, so I, I found a couple runs from some uh, past uh, Games Done Quick marathon events. They're, they raise money for uh, two different charities, uh, Cancer Awareness in January, and then SGDQ uh, for the Summer Games Done Quick. That's run usually for MSF. And I found a couple runs on YouTube 
one for Mega Man X and one for Mega Man 4. And I had watched both those runs and I was kind of fascinated by the whole process. Um, but like, that was kind of it. I was just kind of like, oh, this is really cool. It's really neat. Um, but like, it never really went anywhere from that. Um, and that was probably early 2014, 20, maybe late 2013 that I found that stuff. And then I had just started streaming in 2014 in early, in the early year. And, you know, I did a lot of like whatever I was playing at the time. I might've like streamed some blind playthroughs of like some of the souls games and whatever else. And I just got to a point where I was like, I want to play some old retro stuff on stream for a bit. So I did that. And after I finished probably one of the Mega Man games or a Mario game or something like that, somebody that was in my chat suggested I play, uh, try Ninja Gaiden. And I don't know if you know anything about Ninja Gaiden. I know that I don't game. Ever want to play Ninja Gaiden again? That game is incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it baits you in so fast with some easy levels early on, but that game is very very hard in the in the late game. And uh, while I was playing it casually for the first time, a speedrunner of the game came into my chat named Ancap. Um, and he ended up coming back to my channel. Like, I guess from watching that one experience, he, I guess, enjoyed my channel. He came back and just from discussing with me over the next probably week or two of different stuff, like about speedrunning and different things about that, it started to like, I guess, pique my interest a little bit on it. And I decided to try it out um, in uh, sort of mid, mid 2014. And I mean, that was, that was like the, the guide. Uh, note with uh, Mega Man 4. That was that okay. was what I decided. I was like, if I'm going to play a game, I want to play one that I really, really love. So I decided to pick up that one. Not knowing anything about the game, nothing about the speedrun, really. Uh, I knew some maybe really minor things about it, but like pretty much nothing, really. And um, yeah, no, and that's that's sort of what started this whole process. And and the whole, the whole idea of speedrunning just, it just got better and better and better as I went. Because um, you start out and you're just like, oh, obviously terrible. And you're trying to like mimic what you see. Like as a, as a newbie, I didn't really know any better. So I pull up uh, the record run because I was like, well, this is the fastest run. Obviously I should learn from this run and go from here. Uh, Checkers uh, is an American speedrunner. He had the record at the time. And uh, I started to try to learn and obviously being horrible at it because I'd never speedrun anything before. I had no no real practice ethic on how to like learn how to do something uh how i wanted to practice to get more efficient at something and a lot of things like i had no idea how to do any of this stuff and so it was obviously a very slow process picking the game up just to be um, clear for this the podcast gets listened to by a lot of different types of people okay when you're talking about trying to beat this game as quickly as possible what you're also saying is that you're trying to beat this game without ever receiving a hit whatsoever. Uh, n- not right? necessarily. Not with uh, Mega Man? So I have done, I, I did later do a challenge run, uh, a damageless run of Mega Man 4, single segment. So like if I got hit once, I'd reset and start from the beginning. Um, I do from have the, actually one of those up on my YouTube. From the beginning of the stage or the beginning of the game? Beginning of the entire game, yeah. So you have beat Mega Man 4 from start to finish, never receiving a hit. Right. Yeah. God, that is that's unbelievable to me for any game, mm-hmm. but for a game like Mega Man, that is that's like <laughs> god tier level. Like how I can do you do I this? can tell you it's not an experience I want to try again because I can't tell you what my heart rate was in like <laughs> final stages, but right. I can tell you that 
I was having a hard time after it was over. Even I had to get up out of my chair and walk around. Like I had just run, <laughs> like I had just sprinted because my heart was pounding so fast. I had to like walk to like calm it down. Almost like it was doing a cool down after you the have, run. You have this recorded? The walking around part. I don't know, no, <laughs> but, but the, the, the run the I do. Through. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I have a, I have a YouTube page there. I think it's just, uh, if you type in like youtube.com slash Chelney game, I think I, I called it. It's all one word. Okay. Um, you'll find it there. Uh, there's a there's a playlist under there called Speedruns, and I think it's in that section. It might okay. not be. I, I I can get you a link though for it if you if you want to check it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anybody that even if you don't care about this, just you you listener, go play any Mega Man game just for like five minutes, and then go watch this dude not take a single hit for the entire game. It's it's unbelievable. It's but, it's it's pretty rough. Some stuff some stuff is actually not too bad in four. There's a couple of weapons that are very very strong in four. Thankfully, uh, there's a similar weapon. So like you know Mega Man two really well. You know that from Flashman you get Time Stopper right. Like right. freezes the screen yeah. and you can walk for a while while his weapon energy drains. Four has a similar weapon uh, that you get from Bright Man called Flash Stopper. And there's a weird thing about it because you get seven uses of it, um, but uh, you can, uh, uh, how do I just describe this? It freezes the screen for five seconds each time you use it. Uh, but that timer of five seconds doesn't count down if you start to slide. And obviously in a speed run, you want to slide because you move twice, twice the speed sliding than you do walking. So you want to be constantly sliding. So if your movement is really clean and you can keep your jumps low and get to the ground quickly so you can slide sooner, you're actually extending the delay of that. So there's some sections where you can actually make a, a single flash last for a full long, like 13, 14 second screen if your slide, if you can chain slides together really well. Um, and stuff like that can help significantly in a damageless run where if you can lock enemies in place, um, even, I mean, it's not always ideal to do so, but like it helps significantly in a, in a few sections. So I knew like compared to some of the other games, I think four would be a lot easier than some of the other ones to do that in. Um, there's another speedrunner. He's from Sweden. His name is Cool Kid. He's actually done Mega Man 1 uh, damageless uh, yeah. with only the buster. And oh. uh, that that to me seems way more terrifying yeah. than what I did in four. So like there's definitely people out there that have done some pretty crazy challenges. Um, but you're comparing was still hard, yourself. Though. You're comparing yourself to other people that I am. spend their yeah, lives doing this shit. Not, not some casual, you know, game player. That's like true. Like it takes it takes a lot of planning. There was a lot of pre-planning involved for different rooms and different boss fights as to how I was going to fight it in a way that I, you know, wasn't going to necessarily guarantee it wasn't going to get hit, but minimize the possibility of getting hit. I can play, or I've I've beaten all three Dark Souls games and mm -hmm. Bloodborne. And it's a struggle for me to make it through those games. I yeah. play really slow, really careful. But right. I have watched someone beat that game without ever taking it. <laughs> it's and crazy, it's right? It's like, oh my God. So it's, it's just a massive difference in dedication and skill to be able to take i can beat this game that's already hard compared to right. i can beat this game without 
even taking a hit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a whole different mindset sometimes. So like in a typical speed run, we run what we typically know as any percent, which just means beat the game as fast as possible. It doesn't right. matter if you get hit, doesn't matter if you, in theory, if you die, that's fine. As long as it's working somehow towards the process of just beating the video game, that's perfectly okay. So like does for it, me- Does it not significantly slow you down to take hits or to die? Like it, there's it a- can. There's a moment where let's say you're just on like the third stage. If right. you've already taken a certain number of hits, like, you know, you're off pace to a point where it's a total loss of a run. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely a thing. Um, but there are scenarios where taking damage is more beneficial than not taking damage. For example, in Mega Man four, uh, there's a uh, ring man stage has four mini boss fights in. Um, but you only actually have to kill one to progress because the or the dev forgot to put in walls behind the boss to actually block you from progressing okay. to the next screen before you killed it. So in a lot of ways, instead of sitting there and fighting this boss, you can just get up to it as quick as you can, get hit, and then Mega Man, Pass if you know it. Mega Man games, yeah, have iframes. After you take a hit, you have invincibility frames. You can use those invincibility frames to go through the boss and just continue to the next screen. So there's a lot of things like that. Even in small circumstances, sometimes it's just better to, if this uh, one enemy has 14 health, instead of sitting there mashing it down or trying to find a different weapon that would work better, to just take a hit that might deal maybe seven or eight damage, which is a lot, but it can be worth the time trade-off. Uh, and then just play better after that, right? It's like, now I've got less health to work with, but if I still, it's almost like you're using your health as ammo. It's like, I've got all these weapons because in Mega Man games, you get weapons. They can help me progress in different ways quicker, but my health is also an ammunition that I have to work with. I don't have to have full health at the end because I get full health at the beginning of every stage that I enter. I just have to have more than zero. Well, and as long as that can be utilized, then you, to go quicker, it's, it's really nice. You still got to beat the boss with what other health you right. have remaining yep. or do you can you die yep. at the boss and then respawn with full health or does that take so too much time there's not really anywhere in the uh nes Mega Man games where that would be beneficial typically okay. um but it depends because some of the older ones do have some pretty massive glitchy uh issues that they have um for example in Mega Man one uh it's they didn't have like a refight room kind of like two and three and four and those games did they had an actual stage for the final stage where you actually fought the other robot masters as you worked your way to the final fight and there was a glitch that somebody found uh where you could um get hit by the boss and in one it's really strange it doesn't let you pause the game when you're in like a damaged animation and so when you mash the start button to pause the game Mega Man kind of like floats he keeps getting knocked back. Like the, the knockback animation re, like continues every time you hit start. And it, if you mash it fast enough, it slowly floats Mega Man to the top of the screen. And once he gets into the ceiling, uh, he zips. He zips like past all the other boss rooms and you die. So it's like, oh, I died. Well, that's not good. But the thing is, is the way the game is programmed, it actually zips you past the next checkpoint and you respawn after all those boss fights. So it skips killing. You don't have to fight any of those uh, robot masters it just puts you right in front of the last fight so there are situations like that where it's like okay technically maybe a death isn't really good but if you can utilize that 
in a way to make yourself go quicker than it obviously is something. I know in Mega Man 2, they do it as well a couple times. There's a couple spots where they intentionally will die in order to uh, to speed up the game in that way too. So, I watched quite a few of the Souls speed runs mm-hmm. just because it blows my mind that people can run through these bosses with like no no hits taken. <laughs> right. But, there's also a lot of people that have found like a glitch through a wall that leads to being able to walk on air. Right. At this specific spot, you also have to jump from this invisible platform to another invisible (laughs) platform yeah, and then turn around and look backwards and walk up backwards. And then you'll fall into an area and you saved a bunch of time. Right. Is this something that you guys do that you just go into different levels searching for ways to bypass stuff? Or is it stuff that someone comes upon on accident that they like investigate? It's definitely both. Uh, You have guys that will, they devote a lot of time to like glitch hunting and, uh, and trying to like find little strats and stuff. Mega Man games, it's it's harder because, you know, every stage is separate. It's a separate load into a separate stage. You can't just, you know, skip a bunch of, right. of stages, right, kind of thing, typically. Uh, unless you're using the password system, which then you're not beating the game, right? So, um, so yeah, it's it's not quite the same for, for Mega Man necessarily and in, in, in the platformer. But, yeah, there are, like, in some... It's more common, I feel like, in more modern platformers. Like, I okay. think we've seen that in, in a few, like... Uh, what was that game called? Like the messenger or something. It was that, similar to like a Ninja Gaiden super, style yeah, game. That game is awesome. Have you played yeah, it? I, I haven't, but I I've seen a speed run of it and I know they do like a lot of like out of balancey stuff where they can kind of like bypass a lot of rooms um, by like running like along. I don't know if it was like along the top of the screen and, and like stuff like that, where like there's, there was a lot of like things like that that were really neat that they were possible. Um, and that's also too why uh, keep in mind like not all speedruns are like that too. There's, there's there's a reason why some games have like glitchless categories, um, and things like that. They want to keep, you know, the game looking more like what people would expect to see playing it casually, right? right. But we've seen we've seen people find things like even I think just recently, like j- like not even like that long ago. I think didn't Kotaku just put out a a thing about um, a person casually playing Metal Gear Solid that accidentally clipped through like a door or something. I haven't actually seen the article myself yet. I just heard about it. But like now, like that could potentially open up a whole, you know, can of worms for that community and that speedrunning community if that potentially is utilized to save time. So like, it's definitely something that's, it, it comes from all over. Uh, as, as a speedrunner for Mega Man 4, if, if somebody just randomly casually is playing the game, I don't necessarily want to just like write them off as saying, well, this person can't teach me anything. Because there's always something about the game that I there's there's always something I don't know uh, and I won't won't know and you're just gonna like find it somewhere and you never know how it might be able to to utilize and save you time. Did and you, it not necessarily will, but it, it could. Did you achieve your record on four by just following the current standard and just doing it? on a technically better level or did you find something that um, you put out there into the like the Mega Man world as hey this is a new way to do this I think early on it was mostly just 
getting a little bit better um, because four does have a lot of well, not four's got a decent amount of randomness involved in it. Uh, and obviously the record run at the time did not have the best randomness. So there was always some time on the board for me to get. Um, so most of it was probably due to, uh, you know, slightly better execution, but there would have been, there would have been some maybe really minor things. I didn't really know much about speedrunning. Like the first time going into the game, I just, you know, you enter the game and you're like, well, this person has run the game for probably X amount of time. They probably looked at everything, right? They probably did. And then you start to learn really quickly as you start to do things and you start to get better at the game and you start to like, look at other runs. You're like, well, why did he do this here? Or why did, why is this here? Like that's the biggest part about speedrunning is the more eyes that can look at something and come up with potentially like ideas and little things like that, the better, because you never know, uh, nobody, no one person has ever made, done the perfect speed run. Um, especially the Mega Man games. Like we're talking, if you look at any Mega Man game right now, that is a community's effort put to get to that, that video game to where it is now and how fast it is. And I think we all really understand that. Like as a gamer, I don't feel that I'm anywhere close to good enough to give Mega Man 4 the best run it could ever have. There are significantly better people out there that have better timing. They're, they're just more consistent. And if they decided to run Mega Man 4 with the amount of time that I had put in, would definitely beat my time and have a time probably where the game really should have a time. Are um, you still the current record holder? At the moment I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's so uh, awesome. There was, there was some changing for it recently. There was, a, there was a tournament actually for Mega Man 4 in the community back in 2020. And it brought some people back to the game and some new people to the game. And I actually lost the record during that tournament when it happened. Uh, there was uh, two Japanese runners uh, and a another Canadian runner that all beat my time uh, oh, uh, when it was was there. Uh, it went to a Japanese runner named Beko. He took it. Then Ohan, another Japanese runner, took it like very shortly before the tournament started. It was actually they were doing a qualifying race for the tournament, and he got the record in a race, which is just absurd uh, to think about. And then uh, and then. I think it was either during or shortly after the tournament, uh, Colonel Fatso, his name is, he's from Vancouver. He took the record uh, at that point. And at that point, I came back to the game because I wasn't playing the game. I was playing uh, 11, actually, at the time, of course. Um, so these people are so, doing it while also being watched by a crowd? Um, usually, like, a... they're streaming. They're streaming their attempts, okay, yeah. Streaming. So okay, okay. Depending on the stream, you might have, you know... Four is but, not like a super popular game. You might have, you know, 30, 40 people watching or depending on the streamer, some people have a lot. It's not an in-person tournament with no, like 100 no. people in a room. Like No, just an online, an okay. online event okay. kind of thing. So they were racing um, and then they would get restreamed by uh, another another stream on Twitch. So you took it. And then you took so it personally. I took it, well, like, I was just oh, happy no. to see people playing. Honestly, <laughs> uh, four has been kind of left behind for so long by a lot of people that it was, I was so happy to see somebody because I hadn't played the game pretty much since 2017 when I had my last PB. And so the record had sat there for like, I guess about three years and what was, everybody what started was, playing it. What was your time in 17? Uh, 37, 17. So 37 minutes and 17 seconds. What did, uh, what did Fatso get? He got a 30, uh, 37.09, I think. 37.09, I think is what he had. Okay, so like eight seconds quicker? 
Yeah. So I think I think when when Beko first took it, he beat me by one second. Uh, then I think he beat his time by like a couple seconds. So he was around like thirty seven fourteen. And then Ohan, when he did his his uh, race, he got a thirty seven eleven, which took the record. And then Fatso got his thirty seven oh nine. And then I started playing the game again after that point. And I got a couple PBs, which was really encouraging, actually, because it was kind of a long time to get one PB back when I was playing in 2017. So like, I kind of had like a new, with so many people playing the game more recently, it kind of revitalized my enjoyment of the game because I was watching so many people play the game that I loved, right? And uh, I got a few more PBs and then finally caught up and, and beat Fatso's time with a 37.08. I beat him by like half a second. And then uh, about a week later, Becco actually PB'd again, and it was his last PB. He got another, he got a 3708 also, but it was a lower 3708. So he, he got like another half second below me. So there was literally three of us all on times on the leaderboard within one second of each other finishing the game. So it was like really, really uh, close competition there. And the reason why it was so busy at the time was because um, everybody was trying to get the first uh, sub 37 minute time, right? Like nobody right. had beaten the game in 36 minutes and X amount of seconds. Uh, and so all of us were playing pretty heavily all throughout that time. And I just was fortunate enough to get the first one. So I got a 36, uh, 58 after that. And, uh, do you freak the fuck <laughs> out when you finish it? I, uh, I'll send you a clip of, you want to watch okay. my reaction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did a little bit to some degree. Uh, and when you always, it happened, you always seem so happy, calm, you know? Yeah. As happy as I was about the whole process, I was really sad to some degree because, because that was our goal. Everybody stopped playing the game after I got it. Oh, like, uh, Becco from Japan and, and Fatso from Vancouver, they both stopped playing because like, well, we got 36. It's been done. Like everybody wanted to be the first person to do it. So it kind of like killed everybody's motivation, right? Your next mark it, would be 58 seconds faster, right? To get to 35. Well, in theory, yeah. Like, it, it, like, I don't think that'll ever be humanly possible for us. Right. Um, but um, my my end goal for Mega Man 4 would I'd probably be like a 36, 30 something, probably. I think that's doable. It would require incredibly good luck, which is very unlikely. Uh, but that would always be like the dream time for me is like a mid 36 um, and for a lot of people, the main goal was just to be the first 36, because then if you get the first 36, you know, you can kind of stop that because if somebody ever does come along and beat your time, you can still say, well, I got there. I got to 36 first. Right. That was right. like, that was right. why every, every, people like to have that as like kind of bragging rights in communities. But like we, we all like checkers, for example, he had the first 37 in Mega Man four. So despite, even after I beat his time and was lowering the time, you know, almost now a full minute lower than his time originally. Um, it was still, you know, something that he'll always know he has in his back pocket of like, he was the first person to get there. So stuff like that is kind of like, you have those little competitions in speedrunning, obviously, like leaderboards aside, like we all, especially in the Mega Man community, we all just want to see the game get faster. Nobody really cares too much about who has the record. If somebody finds something that's just a little bit faster, we're typically like immediately hopping on discord and posting videos of it and going people like, can somebody else look at this? Like, this is something I'm looking at. This seems a little bit faster. It's really risky. Like, and then people like can discuss and, you know, we've seen so many strats in the games like evolve to be 
to be faster. And uh, I think that's the part that I love the most about the speed earning community is um, it's kind of like that same camaraderie that I had a little bit in FF11. I just found it now um, in, an, in a kind of a different game to some, to some degree a little bit. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely been like, like I've been hooked ever since 2014 when I started learning uh, it's, it's just been a hell of a ride, honestly. Like it's, it's so good. I actually tried demon souls out for a little while. The new um, one? Uh, no, the old one, the, the original okay. PS3 one back, back before, I think this is even before dark souls three came out. Um, it's hard game though, man. 3d games are impossible. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> I, I gotta yes. stick to basic 2d platformer NES stuff where I can see my pixels. <laughs> what else have you, uh, spent significant time on? Uh, for speedrunning wise, yeah, um, yeah, the Mega Man games for sure. Um, I did play three for uh, a short while after I had initially took the record in four back in 2015, and uh, and then I played six after that. Those are the main the main three that I've put the most time into. Okay, uh, I picked up uh, Super Mario Brothers three. Uh, there was a tournament for it, and I just joined it on a whim because I kind of wanted to learn the game. Um, incredibly hard game. Uh, I when I finally did get the PB that I have now, it was the first time I had ever beaten the game without dying once. It's just, it's so easy to die in that game just by shorting a jump somewhere. And it's just um, so punishing. Um, very hard game, but it's super, super uh, fun game to play and practice. And the, um, the Mario games, if I might be wrong, but they're not randomized. Like you have to just memorize exactly when to hit each button. There right? are like, there are little random random things like enemies will have different placements, but like it depends on the game, right? Like for example, um, the 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 point that SMB one is at now is those guys are fighting for you know a frame or two at the end of the game. Like they're if they're hitting the same frames practically running the game, they're going to get the same randomness pattern, right? Because the cartridge can only give you the same stuff; it doesn't change. Right. Right. Excuse me. Um, it doesn't change based on anything necessarily if you start the game at the exact same time in the exact same way you're going to get and play the exact same you're going to get the same randomness every time and so in a lot of cases those guys yeah they do know a lot of differences of what the enemies are going to do because there are differences on some like hammer bros for example you might walk onto the screen at full run speed and that hammer bro might jump he might stand there and do nothing he might throw a hammer like there's all kinds of different things that they have to they do have to be aware of and in a game like three, you're never going to get the same RNG because you're going to be, you're going to be going, you know, slightly slower or slightly, slightly faster in different stages. And it's just going to throw off the whole thing. And uh, unlike SMB one, where they have kind of like a, there's like an eight frame rule. I don't know if you know anything about the SMB one speed run. I've, I mean, but I like, watch it out of okay, just like amazement, but yeah. I don't follow it, but I did okay. see like, the most recent as of maybe like two or three months ago. So okay. like, yep. And uh, when you're saying that they are competing in frames, you're talking about one mm sixtieth -hmm. of a second. Correct. Yep. Like that's the, that's what's separating. So when you're talking about Mega Man, yep. you're talking about, Oh, I did eight seconds. I did three seconds right. faster. Right. These dudes are talking about one sixtieth yeah of a second yeah, the, quicker the beauty of a game like smb1 is you don't have any human error in most of the movement right in a lot of the movement you're running 
you're running at full speed as fast as you possibly can. And there's going to be some really small things that can affect you. But like, that's, those are those little small things that really break apart the really top runners from, you know, the good runners. Right. Whereas in like a game like Mega Man four, where you have a game with a slide, that slide only lasts for 25 frames. And then Mega Man stands back up, which means you have to repress that slide again. So in the sliding Mega Man games, movement is huge because there's so much human error on every time you have to slide. You could be, even if you only lose one frame between each slide, that adds up over all your slides as to multiple seconds across an entire run. And so it's it's basically impossible to have like a perfect run in the sliding Mega Man games because you've, like you can you can practice and sit there and practice timing your slide perfect every time. You're talking about but eventually somewhere every, you're gonna lose some time, right? You're talking about having a perfect button press twice yeah. a second for 30 minutes, basically. Right, right. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's not gonna happen. For a human, it's just not possible. We've seen people what we call tasks, right? Tool assisted speedruns. It's somebody who will hop on an emulator and basically frame advance the whole run. And that's where you actually get a perf. their idea in a task. The idea is to make a perfect speed run where yeah, you're seeing an absolute perfect press of every button. And this is how fast the game could be beaten. You couldn't and, possibly uh, beat it faster than this time. That's, that's the thought process. Right? Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. There have been tasks that have been beaten like early tasks of Mega Man four. I actually went back and watched some of those early tasks from the first guys that did a lot of them. And a lot of those runs are like, um like 39 minutes 38 minutes long like we've beaten those old tasses um but like the new ones like some of the new ones and some of the glitches that they do like even for four like are to the point where a human just can't do them because they uh they can't pull off you know a task can push 30 inputs in one second right they can push 30 different buttons and a human just can't do that kind of thing so um there's definitely the the benefit of, of both types of community. There there is some kind of like a back and forth between the two communities. Like tasters have definitely helped us improve our games uh, in an RTA setting, a real time attack setting, um, and and vice versa. I think, but um, but yeah, you uh, typically in a lot of there's there's a lot of games where the tasks are just going to be you know just completely off of what a, a, a RTA speedrun is going to be, but. It's- yeah, it's no, crazy they're... The, this whole community that you're talking about when you talk about it and with how deep and complex it can get mm-hmm. you're still talking about a community of like 50 people well it depends right like depending on the game like Mega Man 4 active players like typically Mega Man games don't have a lot of active players uh, because there's so many Mega Man games, I feel like a lot of community people, like they like to hop around. Like it's very common that we don't just play one. We play a few different ones. Um, and so certain games will like pick up in popularity over time. Like back in 2020, Mega Man 4 uh, was kind of the game. There was a whole bunch of people playing it. Now, if you went on Twitch and looked in the Mega Man 4 category, you probably maybe only see one person or probably nobody because just nobody's really playing it right now, right? There's a whole bunch of people playing like Rockman and Forte right now. Um, Mega Man 10 was getting some play. Um, like depending on the game you look at, and Mega Man 6 is going to get really popular here actually because there's a tournament that's just starting uh, really soon. The, so are you still the current holder for that? Not in that one, no. So okay. <laughs> that one was a kind of a funny story. So uh, the main the 
The speedrun for Mega Man 6, who has the record now, he had the record when I took it. Uh, his name is Papat.1. He's from uh, Portland area. Uh, he uh, he had stopped playing the game and was playing something else for a little while and trying to, to route some other stuff. And another speedrunner who um, plays a lot of Mega Man 5, he came over to Mega Man 6 to like kind of just mess around and see if he could find some faster strats, right? To, to make the game a little quicker. And over his process of looking through the game, he found about 10 to 12 seconds of time saves. And uh, I started playing the game before. Just fresh eyes, right? Yeah, exactly. And I started playing the game right around the time he was doing that. So I added a lot of that into my run. And um, that actually was kind of nice because it's like basically saying, let's race Papat, but I'm going to have a 10 to 12 second head start, right? Because... I've got these strats now in my back pocket that he didn't have a year and a half ago or whatever. And that was enough to basically propel me past him at the time and beat him. I only beat him by like half a second and I was done. I was like, okay, we got it. I got my 33 57. I'm done <laughs> getting out of this game. I actually really love the game. It's really fun. Uh, it's a very technical speed run. Um, but uh, for the most part, I was, I knew that was all my goal was to get my 33 time and, and to, to dip out of it. And when he did come back, eventually he, he beat me. I think I'm now like mm, fifth or sixth on that board, I think now. So there's, there's actually been a number of people come through and, and beat my time now. Flashman stage has the blocks that you have to make it. Oh, the Yoku blocks. And, that's, that, that's heat man stage. Yeah. That appear yeah. and disappear. Yep. Okay. It took me like three weeks to beat that <laughs> yeah and you you're beating the entire game in 30 minutes the that those blocks can be pretty frustrating to be fair um the speed run for two is great in that way because half of those blocks they zip over uh which is really funny the first like half and then it's the section over the big long lava they actually do, do the, the jump the lava yeah yeah um uh, a lot of uh other speedrunners, if you want the easier route they actually will go to uh i think it's Oh, is it Airman stage? One of the ones has item two, and that's the one that's kind of like jet, and you can just fly over the whole screen if you do that. But it's, uh, yeah, oh, the uh, the Yoka so... blocks themselves are pretty pretty uh, rude sometimes. Dude, that was as like an eight year old. That was the most frustrating. <laughs> yeah, experience dude. Of my life. That's the part. That's the thing, right? Is like you play these games. Like I play these games now, and I'm like, even some stuff is just like, man, this is hard. And you think about it, you're like. How was a kid, how was a child expected to beat a lot of this stuff? But see, but we that's did. the thing too. Yeah, some some people did. Uh, and that's the thing too. Like actually the interesting thing about Mega Man 2 that they never did in any of the other Mega Man games is Mega Man 2 and Rockman 2 are not the same game. Rockman 2 is the ROM that released in Japan, uh, the cart that released in Japan. And it's, it's essentially just difficult mode uh, only. Whereas Mega Man 2, they released it with a normal mode because they thought, the game was too hard for North America. So they added a category that was basically easier so that people could play on normal and they called it normal. And then they added, and they just left difficult in as the original game. So it's funny now when you go in and you play Mega Man two and you see it and you're like normal difficult. And it's actually uh, some of the guys in the community who've like made like ROM hacks of two and stuff. Like they, they rename it's usually like easy and normal. <laughs> They'll relabel it. Cause they're like, they're like half still salty about the, the fact that Japan thought it would be yeah. too hard for us, but or Nintendo thought or Capcom, I guess thought it would be too hard for us. So, but what's no, it's the, like stuff like that is kind of funny. What's the difference? Uh, like, I what think did they change? A lot of it is like about like how much damage, like uh, oh. bosses usually take twice the amount of hits. Um, 
twice. the main thing. Yeah. So the Japanese yeah, gamers so... are twice as good as we are. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So that, that's what I've learned from from that experience. We're we're only half as good. But yeah, no, it's so it's I thought it was it's kind of a funny thing with the game, but yeah, they never did that for any of the other ones. It's kind of interesting. But, but yeah, then uh, outside of Mega Man and like a little bit of any other random NES stuff, like I haven't done a whole lot outside of that. I had tried, like I said, Demon Souls a little bit, um, just enough to kind of learn the run and kind of like get a more. I see. I like sometimes I like learning a run just to kind of um, see how difficult it is. Because when you look at a run, sometimes it's hard to really get a grasp of how hard something is or or whatever looks, and I, they make it look so easy so easy right and and it's so interesting to sometimes just pick something up and go through it and go okay like this is now i kind of have a better understanding of like what's happening it's like oh this is why this boss dies so fast or this is why you know this works and they can skip like uh, i don't know how well you know the demon souls games but like latria is a pretty well-known area because of how hard it was casually and uh, in the original what's it look like I've been That's the one with the, like the. Uh, I've been playing the remake on PS5, but I think okay. I'm about. I think they changed it in the remake, so you can't do the same skip anymore. But there's, I'm sure there's other stuff they've found by now. But it's the it's the zone with like all the like soul flare enemies, basically. Oh, like the big yeah. tentacle guys and. God, man. Yeah, and there was in a way the, to basically like in the get... prison. The prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah, god! Exactly. Oh my god. And in the original speedrun, there's a skip for that. So you don't have to go down that whole process. You get like on sort of the rails on the inside of that circle. And you kind of hop down the floors on the rails back and forth to get to the bottom. And stuff like that was like really interesting to like see that. And because like casually, I would never do that. But in a speedrun setting, it's super cool to like see that process done. That was the so hardest part of that game so far. <laughs> that that's a, that's a rough area. Yeah. Um, and then I dipped a, a little bit into the Final Fantasy games. Uh, I learned Final Fantasy VIII, which was... Um, Dude, those are way too long to be... Yep, <laughs> there's a very long running. run. Uh, eight, I think, took... My eight time is like eight hours and 45 oh minutes or something no, on the man. PlayStation. No way. Um, and ironically enough, afterward, I started talking with another guy in the community and I picked up FF11 as a speed run. Uh, and it's actually shorter than FF8, which I thought was kind of funny. But how does, being that how it's does an MMO... That work? How does that work? So um, the category that I'm running is Shadow Lord. So it's from a brand new character creation no, to uh, no, you seeing no. in the chat log, it says the Shadow Lord is defeated. That's the oh end of the run. Oh my God. But how long is that? <laughs> so the original runs of when I tried it were about eight to nine hours. Uh, it took me nine <laughs> months to level my character. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, nine yeah. months of playing 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. So is it just the change in the experience rules or, or a lot of you, that? Yes. Are a you lot beating of it the is. shadow Lord at 50 or was it at 75? Uh, I'm leveling in my run to 54. Okay. Is that to get um, a specific ability? Uh, mainly just because the trusts uh, have a hard time surviving at 50. See, the beauty of Black Mage, and you know this too, is when you level up, you regain your HP and your MP. And because you level so much faster now, because the experience has changed and how much experience you get per kill, you can essentially just mana burn 100% of the time with zero stoppage, zero resting for MP, because you're leveling so fast, you're getting your MP back too quickly. You're really leveling that quick? Yep. 
you never rest ever for MP. It's constantly go, 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 go. We used to go in there with six real people and die (laughs) over and over. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My original first route actually required me to like, I would kill like stuff all the way up the tower. Like I would fight bats, uh, goblins, stuff all the way as I went up and I would level on my way up. But I found it was faster to level more outside in Quiffum and then push into the tower and just run to the third floor um, because there was just so much risk on the way up because of the way goblins work and linking. It just became so dangerous uh, to go in there fighting on the way up. So I did change my, my routing a bit with the, with the dying and the home pointing, like if you die, is your run trash at this point now? Very likely. Yeah. If I was to die now in runs, it would be kind of over. So you have an eight hour video of, yeah, you do. (laughs) Yeah. How long did that take you to upload? um yeah i don't remember i probably just put it on overnight and went to bed <laughs> yeah definitely definitely takes some time um many... i don't know if, i don't know if this would interest you at all actually but like because i got into ff11 speed running for a while i actually routed the cop run as well and i did a run from brand new character to defeating promathia and that one was just uh, uh just over 26 hours i think i probably played four or five hours a night once or twice a week with a set of dudes for three <laughs> or four months to yeah. make it through the Promethea expansion. Yeah, it's it's tough. And it 20 something hours. And I think that's sort of been the pinnacle for me, like for speedrunning of like combining my essentially my favorite game of all time, FF eleven, with now probably my favorite gaming pastime of all time, which is speedrunning. I see you got some Mega Man 11 on here too. I did, yeah. I picked that up when the game came out. It was a lot of fun to route with uh, people early on. I Because I never got to really experience that, right? Like a lot of the NES Mega Man games were already routed by the time I came to play them. And so a brand new one, it was super exciting. The whole community was like contributing at the time. It was really great. I remember when 9 came out, I was so excited to go back and play a normal Mega Man mm-hmm. game again, and Back I was like, bit feel. I was like waiting for like weeks and weeks, like super excited for this game to come out. I couldn't beat a single level. <laughs> I just kept dying, and I was like, "Man, are these really that hard?" Because yeah, I used, nine and I ten beat, are tough. I beat these games as a kid. I think yeah, one through five at least. Like I played mm-hmm. and beat. And then X1 and X2, I played yep. and beat. And then I can't even beat the first level as an adult. Yeah. Nine and 10 were really hard games. Uh, Inti Creates made those games and they became pretty notorious for like being like the joke in our community kind of is like if somebody makes like a ROM hack or something and they put too many spikes and stuff in, in levels, it's like, oh, Inti Creates make this game? Like what's going on here? Cause like, yeah, like they, they put a lot of insta death in those games and those, some of those levels are really tough. I know like Hornet man stages, like there's some of those, some of those like bridges that like you shoot them and they extend out and then you can like walk on them. But if you don't get across it fast enough, they go back and they knock you off onto the spikes. <laughs> and those things are super unforgiving. Like when you're trying to learn how to do that level, the first time you play through that level. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that though. They're, they're tough games. Have you beat them? 
Uh, yeah, I I yeah. did I did I tried to learn I tried to learn nine speed run for a week actually, and it was okay. And then I did pick up ten for about a week as well, like just to like kind of learn them and see a what week. the game was all about, kind of thing. Yeah, dude, I give you so much credit. For, I mean, it's just video games, but I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. not it's not just video games because it is dedication and time and commitment on, on right. your end. But you're talking about like I learned how to speed run this game in a week, not necessarily. Right. That, you're posting the top times, but no, you can make it through these games in a subpar reasonable amount of time. Right. Whereas a casual Mega Man player like myself, even though Mega Man is one of my favorite franchises, mm-hmm. I can't even play them anymore because I'm not, like, I can't even progress. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that's that's awesome they're, yeah they're they're tough games i guess um the only other thing that i've done like because I, I was trying to think of like little silly challenge things um when i was getting a little bit uh, tired of speed running so i was looking for other things that's where the damageless run of Mega Man 4 came from um the only other one that i can think of that i've done that maybe would be kind of interesting for you to watch is uh if obviously i don't have the whole video because it was uh just under 10 hours long um, but I saved like the last 10 minutes and it's the last run where I was actually successful. And I, I did uh, skull man's stage, uh, buster only blindfolded. Um, so that's really? somewhere on my YouTube as well. That'd be, that'd be probably a fun one to, to watch too. You can I'll see how stupid by, I am. I'll just by memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it took crazy. me a really long time. Cause I forgot what the last room kind of looked like. I realized after I beat it, I was like, Oh, I thought this platform was over here and I messed up, but yeah, just from memory and just the audio alone, I was able to, to beat that one blindfolded. I'd love to go back and uh, try a couple other stages blindfolded, but they're, it's tough to do in Mega Man because there's no audio cue in like the NES games when you're like up against the wall or anything like that. So you have to know your positioning really well. And the only reason it really works well is because of the slide, because the slide is the same distance every time, assuming you don't get hit. So um, it's using a lot of like memory, yeah, and like remembering where you are sliding. But uh, I did that, and then uh, eventually I went back and like did it a little bit and tried to actually route it so I could do it quickly. I think my best time was like just under four minutes. So yeah, it's kind of kind of fun little challenges. Sometimes I need that to to break up the, the the same the same old same old. My critical thing when it comes to games, uh, honestly, like my, my probably number one is music. Music is probably the most important thing to me in a video game, and then after that, um, probably like gameplay and story and and whatnot. So. Like as long as I'm enjoying it and having fun while I'm playing too, like enjoying the the music and stuff, and then having fun, I'm I'm usually pretty happy in a game. It's like you look at speedruns early on, and like when I first found them, I'm like, oh, this is crazy. I'd never be able to do this. And then you start doing it, and you realize it's not that bad. But it yeah, you're like it t- takes time. You you have to like sit down and actually you know focus and learn. And so I I like I like that whole aspect of it. Just it's like that self improvement aspect. Like I said, kind of like golfing or even playing like music, you know, you're trying to like reduce your mistakes and try to put out like this, you know, as perfect a run as you possibly can. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, kind of my life now, except kinda, when I'm playing 11. <laughs> it's kind of cool that you can relate it back into like, not even about games. It's about yeah. self-improvement. Like that's yeah. kind of cool. Cause people should always try to 
and prove themselves and people don't really like to do that anymore yeah 